You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Isn't it a privilege to be able to pray for each other? Come on, church, let me hear you. Um, man, yeah, let me, you can celebrate one more time. Man, we're just going to believe God's going to do amazing things. Good gracious, I'm about to get fired up. Y'all ready? Uh. Yeah, wow. Man, God's just good, man. God's good. And today, I hope that you just feel His presence more than anything else. And, and, and you know, um, I read in Scripture, and, and we don't do that enough, church. Can I just say that? Uh, and I think sometimes it's our fault. We get busy in here, and we think we have our plans and that kind of stuff. But w- can I just ask you, if, I mean, if you ever have a need that you need that done for you, all you've got to do is express it. Um, this service is for you to find God. And whatever that looks like for that to happen, I hope you know that as, as your pastor, and, and I speak for all of our pastors and our leaders, that whatever God wants to do when we gather together, we will let him do it. Um, because that, if we don't, then we just are, we're just, we should just went to the movies. It would have been that, you know, I mean, it just would have been that eventful. But if, if, if you ever have, and, there, and so you, how you can communicate that to us, um, we have an email address. It's prayer at net. It's really, really simple. So as you're going throughout your week and you have an issue that you want prayed for, and if you want us to lay hands on you or anoint you with oil, and some of you maybe who are unchurched, y'all thinking you're crazy. We are. It's okay. You'll be crazy one day, too, if you fall in love with Jesus. That's not a great appeal, but it's true, okay? Um, so just uh, send us those needs. Um, yeah. Uh, my name's Matt, if you are visiting with us, and I get the pleasure of serving as one of the pastors at this church, and we are just blessed to be able to be here. If today is your first time, we love you. Please let us know you're here and fill out that card because we want to get to know you better. We're going to send you a couple follow-up emails, and we want to give you a gift. You can take that by the connection stand on, on your way out, but you are going to get some emails from us just saying, hey, I hope you had a good experience. What do you need from us? How can we serve you? And if you say, well, I'm never coming back. That's okay. We still want to know how can we pray for you and how can we serve you and how can we love on you? And so take time to fill that out. It would just be great. And if you are looking for a church home like so many in the room who call this place home, we'd love for us to be that for you and find a way to do that. And uh, just more and more, like I just, I, I love being together as a church family. And it's not about just going through the motions, but getting to know each other and, and, and loving on each other and being able to support each other. And a matter of fact, throughout the summer, we're going to do some events just to kind of get us together as a family and, and just talk and have fun. And one of those, if you'll mark your calendars for June 25th, Sunday night, June 25th, 6 p.m., we're going to do what we call party in the parking lot. And we're just going to come out here in this parking lot and just have a blast as a family and just cook some hot dogs and just eat things that are bad for us and have a good time, okay? Um, amen. Um, that's what churches do. Remember, covered dish. That's what we uh, So it's not going to be covered dish, but it's going to be just a time to just hang out and have. There's going to be games for adults and kids. There's going to be cornhole boards. Do not play Casey Harris. He will take your money. Um, and just have a good time. So mark your calendars for that. But today we are diving into a brand new series. And just spending a lot of time reflecting lately over what God's been doing in my life and and. and it's crazy. I don't know. I just seen one of those seasons. Today is, is my twins. Today they are nine years old. Today. Happy birthday, Aiden and Leah. Half their childhood is gone. Like literally. Like they're halfway to 18. Which means at some point, maybe me and my wife will be able to afford to do something other than for them. Um, 
No, because then they'll go to college, and then that's going to be crazy. But I've been reflecting on, on just what God's been doing in my life. And if you ever ask this question, have you ever, have you ever looked at God and said, God, what do you want from me? Anybody? I think that's a question that people wrestle with with God. And I think that's maybe even the way that question has been answered by the church or by faithful people has caused people to kind of stay away from God to a degree. When, when we kind of, when we ask that question, God, what, what do you want from me? God, what does God want from me? And there's been a lot of ways that that question has been addressed or been tackled that has caused people to be like, God, if that's what you want from me, then I'm not sure that I want you. Because a lot of times it's very, it's centered around rules and regulations and behaviors and all these other things. And so, like, it's just kind of, it's not appealing to a degree. And we ask this question a lot around the church, are you growing in your faith? Like, right, we've asked that question. And we've been asked that question. And I'm like, really, what does that even mean? Are you growing in your faith? I think to even understand what that question means, you've got to understand what that word faith kind of really means. And when I say that word, if I, if I polled uh, even the community or this very room, what is faith? We would get variations of different answers. And, or I remember I asked somebody one time when I was growing up and I was still figuring this whole thing out. What is faith? And they used this verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And as like a six-year-old, I'm like, huh? Like you might as well just been speaking like Chinese or something. I'm not even really sure what that means. So I kind of began to formulate what that meant in my mind, what, like trying to figure out what God wanted from me and, and what it meant to grow in my faith. And kind of, can I just submit to you, for a majority of my life, I misunderstood what that question was about. Because the way I grew up, I think for many years what it meant was it had to do with what I was doing for God. And like when I asked that question, what, what God do you, what do you want from me? It meant like, what do you want me to do? Or it was about, you know what? As my faith was growing, it meant if my faith was growing in God, then my acts for God were beginning to expand. And it became all about what I did or what I was doing or about my behavior. Anybody with me? Like, that's kind of what it, being a faithful person or following Jesus or growing in my faith was all about. What I did and what I was doing and more and more, and, and, and even more so in the tradition I grew up in. Like, my faith was growing when I was doing a better job of not sinning. Like, that, like that's, when, that's when you were growing. The, the better you were doing at not screwing up meant your faith was growing. It was kind of discipleship by sin management. And like basically that's what it was. And so, or it was about the works I was kind of doing for God. And then I heard this thing, well, your faith is growing when God is in complete control. I don't like the word control. See, y'all aren't even going to say amen because you feel like I was trying to control the Amen. Because this is what my mind had, like God is in control. I thought like God wants me to be his perfect person puppet. And when I think puppets, you ever seen those puppets that have like strings on them? You know what I'm saying? And like they, they, they kind of, somebody's up at the top with like this little piece of wood or something like that. And there's all these strings and they're completely controlling the movement of the puppet. And so, I know that looks weird. I'm sorry. That's the only thing. I got to do the motion. Like that's what I thought like growing in your faith and, and really following God was. Is you, when you got to this place, when you just kind of were the perfect person puppet. 
and you were kind of hooked to God's strings, and then God was kind of moving you all around, and all this control. But the more and more that I learned to God, and I think, okay, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So maybe, maybe there's something a little bit different that's happening there. And then, you know what else began to confuse me is I saw a lot of people that behaved like people that were supposed to believe that I did behaving in the same way. And then I saw a lot of people that were supposed to believe like I did not behaving the way that I was being told I was supposed to behave. Come on. I mean, I know a lot of people that are kind and compassionate and generous and gracious and loving and they don't care a thing about the word or Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to have faith or to be growing in God? I was told that, or I kind of got the impression that be growing your faith means you got to this place where you didn't question God. You just took what he said and you did it. And there was no resistance or no pushback or no questions or no struggling or like that. You just were completely doubtless. That, that's kind of what faithful meant, doubtless. And I thought I loved God, and, but I was still struggling with some things. And I still had questions. And I felt guilty for having questions. And it was almost like you don't have questions. If you've got faith, you don't have questions. But what I've learned more and more is at its core, faith is trust. Faith is trust. And a growing faith is a deepening trust. And what I've discovered, and, and if you're a note taker, write this down. If you're not a note taker, Write this down anyway, because it's good. God does not want you to follow him blindly. He wants you to trust him completely. This is what I've discovered. As I've gotten to know him and as I've had the opportunity to pastor this church and, and just experience growth in my own life and in my own understanding and knowledge of who God is. That, that God doesn't want us to follow him blindly. He wants us to trust him completely. My whole life, I've been told this, this following Jesus is a relationship, right? That we've tried to move people beyond this religious ritual and understand that what Jesus has made available to us is relationship. Like, right, we've heard that, right? Amen? The most essential, key, valuable element to any and every relationship is what? Trust. Trust is what breeds intimacy in a relationship. And where there is no trust, there is no intimacy. You know, God gave us marriage because it's the closest earthly relationship that we get to have that mirrors the relationship he desires with us. And you know what? Nobody stood at the altar in front of God and family and said, do you? Yes, I do pledge to control you the rest of my life. Now, it may feel like that at times for some of y'all. <laughs> but like, that's not a marriage, is it? That's not a marriage. How many marriages have been ruined because people have tried to control the other or because people had no trust in the other? 
that what God, God does not want us to follow him blindly. He wants us to trust him completely at its core because trust is what leads to all the other things that God wants to do in our lives. And now don't get me wrong, I think when we begin to trust God and we begin to live in relationship with him, then there does, it does produce fruit in our lives. And there's evidence of that trust as it grows in the way that we behave. That, I believe that. But you know what? Trust is what gets us to the point where, where we're able and willing to hear his voice. Just think about like, my wife can say things to me that I will not allow y'all to say to me. Come on. Same in your marriage, right? You know why? Because there is a level of trust that you have in that relationship that gives that person the opportunity to speak into your life that way. And see, God wants that same type of relationship with us. So as our trust goes in him, when he says things, when he speaks into our lives, when he tries to move and, and, and help us navigate this journey called faith, we're willing to listen to him. You know why? Because we trust him. My little girl came up to me a couple weeks ago after church, and I don't know if they were doing this in kids' ministry or what, but she said, Daddy, have you ever heard of the trust fall? You know, ever heard of the trust fall? It's basically where, like, you stand in front of a group of people or something like that, and you just, blind, you just fall back. You just kind of close your eyes, and, and you just fall back, and, and, and you do that hoping they will catch you. So she said, Daddy, do you ever heard of the trust fall? Yeah, baby. She said, okay, catch me. I'm like, whew. I'm like, I called her at the last minute. No, this was, she said, Daddy, can I trust you? Boom. I'm like, I should have let you crack your head, dummy. I don't know what you're doing right now. But you know what she did? Because of the relationship we have over the short nine years of her life, she has seen that her father can, can be trusted. And what has she's experienced in me and from me and through me over the last nine years caused her to be willing to take that leap and trust that her father would catch her. Don't you see that's exactly what kind of relationship God wants with you? What does God want from you? He just wants you to trust him. And if you learn to trust him, all these other things in your life will begin to change. Proverbs chapter 3, is a, I think we've read this passage I, at least three or four weeks in a row. Y'all going to be like, well, get some new material, Matt. But this, this verse, Proverbs chapter 3, it's one that you probably know that you've heard a thousand times. If you've been here the last few weeks, you've heard it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. What does it say? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, the question is, when, when somebody asks you, are you growing in your faith? What they essentially should be asking you is your confidence in God increasing. Is, is your trust in him continuing to grow deeper and deeper and deeper? Because what, what God wants from you more than anything else is he wants you to trust him. And, and nothing impresses God like faith. See, I also grew up in a tradition where like, I thought I was supposed to do things to impress God to make him love me more. Come on. And like basically, like what impressed God was when I did awesome things. Like when I, when, when I, when I did good deeds, when I, when I said the right things, when I was a good little boy. Like, like that impressed God. Come on, somebody's with me, right? 
Like that's kind of the impression that we get sometimes in the religious system that we've been exposed to is you want to impress God, quit acting a fool. If you never had that said to you, you never had Miss Price as a second grade teacher. I heard that a lot in second grade. Matthew, quit acting a fool. Nobody else? Okay. What impresses God, though, is not these behavior things. Do You know, like, there's one place in Scripture, in the Gospels, that I feel like Jesus really appears to be impressed. And it's not centered around anybody's behavior. It's in Matthew chapter 8. Grab your Bibles or pull it up in the app. It's going to be on the screen. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 1. Where we see Jesus, I feel like he's literally impressed with somebody. And it isn't centered around behavior at all. Matthew chapter 8 verse 1. You know this first part. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the, offer the gift that uh, Moses commanded as testimony to them. Now that's a cool story, but that's not who I want to focus on because the leprosy guy gets the majority of the attention in the sermons of Matthew chapter 8. But I want you to look at what happens next. Pick up with verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Now, you got to get the picture of who this guy was. I mean, we mostly think about all, a lot of the people that Jesus were healing were pretty common folks. But a Roman centurion would have stood out like a sore thumb. You're talking about like the Navy SEAL of his era. He was a trained killing machine. Roman centurions were the most elite fighting men of their culture. And here, this big, I, I just imagine him being this big, burly kind of guy with his Roman garb on, and he would have legions that would have been with him. And here he comes, and you can almost feel the emotion in, his, in, 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 in the scripture there. He says, Lord, and isn't it interesting that this Roman centurion who pretty much answers to nobody but, but really Caesar and the people over him, like he, he was a big deal. And he looks at this carpenter from Nazareth who has been doing amazing miracles so much so it has drawn his attention. And he walks up to him. He doesn't say, hey, little carpenter guy. He says, Lord, my servant is at home paralyzed. And he's suffering terribly. There was compassion in this man. There was something working and stirring in this man. And look what Jesus says next. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Shall I come and heal him? You notice Jesus didn't say, that's awesome. You know what? You go read your Bible for three days, pray and fast for the next 17 days, and then maybe we'll see if I can't do something. He says, shall I come and heal him? Isn't there something powerful about that? Anybody else? Shall I come and heal him? And then look what he says. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Like, I'm not worthy. I think right there in that moment, he thought about all the people he'd killed, probably all the bad things he'd ever done. I don't, I don't deserve. Lord, if you really knew, <laughs> if you really knew who I was, <laughs> if you could see all the skeletons in my closet, you'd stay far away from my house. But he says, but just say the word, 
and my servant will be healed. Like you, you just mention, you, you just say whatever you you got to say, whatever you want to say. I believe from we and he may have been miles away from this guy's home. He says, I think even from right here, you could just speak it, and he could be healed. And then he says this, and right here in, in verse nine, it begins to reveal something very important about how this centurion saw Jesus. He said, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell them to go and he goes. And that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and you know what? He does it. Now, that seems like a weird thing to say in this story. What he's saying is, like, I'm under this authority. Like, I realize that, that I have authority to speak over people, but this authority isn't from me, that it comes from something bigger and better and more powerful than even I. And because I'm under this authority, under the most powerful authority that the world knows, Caesar, because I have authority from him, I'm able to just speak and things can happen. And what he's really saying is, Jesus, I know that you are under an authority that this world has never seen before that that you the things that you're doing you could not be doing if you were under a supreme authority that allows you to do all these powerful things that you do because he was that Jesus served under the authority of God of the universe as he was in man form on this planet and the centurion got it he says so all you got to do because I know that you're under the authority of the living God it's just speak it. And look what Jesus says. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Jesus is impressed. Now, this is what I'm thinking. Disciples are like, disciples are like, I've never met anybody with more faith than this guy. And they're like, Dang. What are we doing wrong? Like we're missing something. The chief priests are there thinking, well, that's my chief priest voice. <laughs> Jesus wasn't impressed with his behavior and the things he did. He was impressed because you know what he's saying? Jesus, I trust you so much that I believe that you can say it from right here and it'll happen. God does not want you to follow him blindly. He wants you to trust him completely because when we deeply trust Jesus, we will live intimately in relationship with him and the things that he will be able to accomplish in our lives are far more than we can ask or imagine. Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith. If you ever just want to see all the cool things that 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 people did because they believed in Jesus, because they believed in God, because they believed in who God was and what God can do. Just read through Hebrews chapter 11. Um, we read verse 1 a moment ago. I want to read just a quick portion of it to you. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now if that verse didn't unlock for you what faith is about, you need to keep on reading. That's why we don't ever read just one verse in the Bible. Come on. You need to read it all for it all to make sense. He says, this is what the ancients were commanded for. Now, I'm about to take some liberties, okay? I hope y'all are going to be comfortable with what I'm about to do. But I think it's very accurate. I'm going I'm to I'm say some different words where you're going to see some different words, okay? This is what the ancients were commended for. Because of the faith, because of faith, because of they, they trusted, because we trusted, because 
we believed in who he was, because we trusted him completely, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that it, what, is, what is seen was not made out of what was invisible. Because he trusted, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Because he trusted, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And because he trusted, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Because he trusted, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without our willingness to trust, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, what he's saying is, and if you read through Hebrews chapter 11, you see these great men and women of God who did all these amazing things, saying the reason why they were able to unlock all this beauty and all this power and all these cool things in their lives is because these people that I'm mentioning here as I'm writing this book of Hebrews is because they completely and totally trusted God. He's trying to let us see that when you trust God, when you intimately, deeply, completely trust God, it unlocks power and potential in your life, unlike any other thing. Because see, until you trust completely, you will only obey inconsistently. You follow me? Until you trust completely, you will be obedient inconsistently. Because what you'll do is you'll be obedient where you trust and disobedient where you don't. Come on. See, there's some places you're, you're completely obedient to God because you trust him in that area. Remember last week we brought out these little boxes and I told you how we compartmentalize everything and we want to give God kind of one box at a time and we kind of want to give it to him for a little bit and then take it back and we always take it back from God when we decide we don't trust him with it. And until you're willing to trust completely, you will never obey consistently because obedience is the evidence of trust. God does not want you to follow him blindly. He wants you to trust him completely. On June 24th, it'll be 10 years ago that Ashley and I moved up here to start this thing called Vintage Church. We packed up a big old, big old, big old U-Haul truck and put everything that we owned, which wasn't a whole lot. And we moved up here to start what would be Vintage Church. It was Ashley and I, and I was pretty sure my parents were going to be involved, and that was it. And the reason why we started this church was really simple, is we wanted to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. That living and loving like Jesus is what it's all about. And when you study the life of Jesus, what you see more than anything else is Jesus completely trusted the Father. Jesus was fully obedient to God the Father's purpose in this life. You know why? Because he completely trusted him. Never was that more evident than in the Garden of Gethsemane, right as Jesus was about to go to the cross. It was, this was going to be the ultimate test of his trust. Not that he had had an easy life up until this point, but as he's about to stare down the worst form of capital punishment mankind could ever think up, he's starting to wonder, There's, maybe this isn't the best thing that needs to happen. And if you remember, he says this in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet yeah, not my will, 
but yours be done. He says, God, if you can take this from me, awesome. But if not, I trust you. I trust you. Is your faith growing? What does God want from you? It's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. He wants you to trust him. But here's the problem. Trusting God is not the easiest thing you're ever going to be asked to do. Come on. And the reason why is because you live in a fallen, broken world, and you have an enemy that wants to get you to doubt God. Let me just go ahead and remind you, you you realize we do not live in the world that God intended for us. God, when God originally created all this and he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and they had this perfect, intimate relationship, but God, in his wisdom and out of his love for us because he wanted a sincere, authentic relationship with us, said there's one tree that you cannot eat from. He wanted to give us the opportunity to choose him or reject him because God wants authentic relationship with you. And authentic relationships are never forced, are they? If you're forced in a relationship, you always wonder, is she with me because she loves me, or is she with me because somebody said she had to be? Come on. But God created this scenario, and the moment that that decision was made to disobey God, it broke everything. And we live on that side of that decision, and so this fallen, broken world with disease and pain and suffering and terrorism and natural disasters and all these things. This is not what God wanted for us. It's a product of that sin broken world. And here's what the devil wants to do is all those negative things that happen in our lives that are part of that. He wants to leverage against you to get you to doubt God. That's that's his plan. He wants to look at that bad thing that happened in your life and say, see, you can't trust him. If you could trust God, would he allow that to happen in your life? No, don't trust him. Oh, you've been diagnosed with that disease. Oh, see, I told you you couldn't trust him. That relationship ended. I I told you you couldn't trust him. Something went bad in your life. Satan, that's what Satan does. Come on, that's what, he, that's what he's been doing from the beginning. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, the, when, before all this happened, what, how he got Adam and Eve to make that decision was he got them to question God. He said, he didn't tell you to eat from that tree. And they said, yeah, 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 he did. And he said, if we're going to eat it, we're going to die. Surely you're not going to die. Oh, no, no, that's what he said. Well, you know why he's telling you that? Because he knows if you eat from that, you'll be like him. And he's just as worried that you're going to be like him. You can't trust him. And what they did, they took and eat. And that's what his game is to this day. That negative thing you're going through, what Satan is telling you is, if you could trust him, you wouldn't be going through that. If you could trust him, that would have never happened to you. If you could trust him, things would be better. See, this, if this whole thing is a relationship, the devil is just trying to create drama. Because again, most of the relationships that you've had that have ended badly, they ended somewhere along the way somebody broke the trust. Come on, amen? See, see the devil is like, like the high school drama. He's like the scorned high school girlfriend, and now you've got a better relationship, and he wants to create havoc so that you'll love him again. Come on. He's jealous of your new love. And if he can get you to doubt your new love, God, if he can get you 
to allow that trust in who he is to erode just a little bit, he can begin to get his foot in the door of your life. That's what he's done. That's what he's always done. And that's what he will always do. He's a punk. And so you got to acknowledge that. Because if what God wants from you is to continue to deepen and grow in your trust in him and you're working against the enemy that's trying to erode your trust, then you've got to intentionally do other things to counteract what he's trying to do to mess with you. Because if you don't have a counteraction battle plan, if you're not doing things to counteract all the junk the devil's trying to do to get you to erode your trust in God, then he's going to get you. Your trust is going to deplete and one day you will walk away from your relationship with God. So here's the question. If you want to know what God wants from you, is to trust him. If you want to trust him, the question is, what are you doing to grow that trust? Because it doesn't just happen. Not with all the things we're experiencing in this world. You've got to intentionally do things. You've got to in- intentionally engage the right things that will help you grow in your trust and belief and who he is. And can I tell you, that's why we started this church. Because I don't think you can ever completely, fully trust God the way that you need to if the church is not a part of your life. That's why we're here. If we're here to inspire you to live and love like Jesus, you're going to have to trust him deeply. And everything that we do is is centered around trying to get you to trust him. And so that's the million-dollar question is what do I engage with? What do I do to grow my trust in Jesus? Because we're just sitting back just hoping, watching all these things come at us and all this stuff happen in our lives, and we're just allowing it to pile up and pile up, and we're not engaging in the things that God has given us and allowed us to have in order to counteract all those attacks so that we can continue to stand firm in our faith. And the reality is faith is never stationary. You're either growing in your faith or you're decreasing in your faith. There's no standing in the middle. Come on. You can't just ride the fence and sit there and think, okay, if you say, well, I'm stuck spiritually, what it really means is is you're losing ground spiritually because things are continuing to pile on. I know there's a lot of things I think that I think just about anything God can leverage to grow your faith. But that's what we want to do as a church. This is vintage. It exists to inspire you to live in love like Jesus. And to do that, your trust in him has to grow. And everything that we do is is, is challenging to engage in the things that we believe will grow your faith. Let me tell you four things that I think grow your faith. Understanding the Bible. Understanding the scriptures is key to growing your faith. Come on, somebody. Understanding what God's word really says, not what somebody once told you it said that you've never read for yourself. Understanding the scriptures. Understand, I've said a thousand times, life will paint an inaccurate picture of who God is. And the only way to recalibrate that image is the word of God. Understanding the scripture is key to building your trust in God. I would also submit to you that building relationships is vital and you growing in your faith. Trusting Jesus cannot happen in isolation. Come on, somebody. 
We need support and accountability and prayer. We need to be able to, when we're going through things like a family member is facing something terrible, that we have people to rally around on us and lay hands on us and pray for us and support us. Believe it or not, and this may sound crazy, serving others is vital in growing in your faith. Serving, no, nothing teaches you more about who God is and what God is doing in your own life than serving. If you, if you don't believe me, ask the 12 people that just got back from Haiti what serving in that context did to grow their faith. I think sharing your faith grows your faith. Having the courage to engage people who don't believe like you, look like you, talk like you, have the same values as you, and engaging them and sharing who you believe in and why you believe in it and making that known is a powerful way. See, these are the four things that I believe the church can play a role in. The church is supposed to play a role in. So every, the, the, fourth, the main four things that we try to do as a church is to help these things happen in your life. We create an experience every weekend to help you better understand Scripture. Weekend worship gatherings. I don't know if you've noticed this, but every Sunday we come in here with, the, with prayerfully planning to teach you a biblical truth and we, in a way that we hope is simple and relevant and applicable, something that you can walk out of here. Our hope is that every Sunday you walk out of here feeling like you've met with God, heard the Word of God in such a way that you can apply it to your life and actually live it out. We hope that you, by you coming and being in this room weekend after weekend that you're engaging the Word of God and it's doing something in your life. So that's why we do weekend worship gatherings is to help you better understand what God is saying through His Word. We try to create an atmosphere where you can build relationships. We call them life groups where you can take the step and get out of a row and get into a circle of people that will be there for you and support you and that you can be vulnerable with and have accountability with and pray over you because we think it is so necessary. We try to create an opportunity for you to serve others by volunteering on ministry teams. We don't have ministry teams like worship and parking and host team and kids volunteers because we need free labor. We have them because we believe that engaging in the gifts that God's put in you to serve other people will grow your faith and trust in who He is. And we try to create a platform that allows us to get outside the walls of this church and engage other people that maybe never walk in these doors but who need the hope that we have through outreach initiatives that get us in the community and allow us to share the love of Jesus with other people. This is vintage. And I'm convinced that if you ever get to the place where you're willing to engage in all that, it will grow your faith. What does God want from you? He doesn't want you to follow Him blindly. He wants you to trust Him completely. And there's a lot of things that are happening around your life that the enemy's trying to leverage to stop that trust from continuing to deepen and grow. But God's created a beautiful thing called the church that's trying to provide these opportunities for you to engage in the things that will grow your faith and I'm convinced that when you ever get to the point when you get to the place in your life when you're ready and when you're willing to engage in all that God has to offer that will help you grow your faith then you will start seeing some real strides and how deeply you trust God would you bow your heads close your eyes with me 
Hear these words from Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Are you growing in your faith? Is your confidence in God increasing? Are you willing to allow yourself to trust Him completely? Are you doing the things that you need to do? The things that you need to engage in that will help your faith continue to move forward? Father, I pray that right now as we worship you and as we sing this song, that God, you would do work in this room, that people would tune into your voice and respond however it is you're calling them to respond, God. God, we know that what you want more than anything with us is a relationship built on, thriving in, fueled by trust. And God, for the people in the room that are having a hard time trusting you because they've experienced some really hard things and the enemy has leveraged those things to just erode and erode and erode at the trust maybe they even once had, I pray that today would be a turning point and that the people within the sound of my voice would just begin to release things back to you and to trust you, God, and that they would be willing to give it all back to you knowing they can trust you with it. And may their relationship with you begin to grow because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.